Hi, everybody. This is Adriana Trajani. I'm the host of You Are What You Read. I have the privilege of interviewing luminaries of our times about the books that shaped them from childhood until now. We get everybody from Sarah Jessica Parker to Kristen Hanna, Mitch Albom, Susie Essman, Craig Ferguson, Rain Wilson, Amor Tolls, you name it, they come, they share. New episodes of You Are What You Read drop every Tuesday on Apple, Spotify, or any major streaming platform wherever you listen to your podcasts. I'm Marjorie Punnett. I'm Elizabeth Reese. This is the Nest, our mini-show that's all about the delightful and delicious things that make our homes just where we want to be. What a great conversation on Tuesday. I've been thinking about that. I know. It really was just kind of one of those things where you go, if I change my perspective, Mm -hmm. if I sort of take myself out of this hustle culture, how much more fulfilled and joyful could I be if I'm not constantly looking for the next thing? That is really a great lesson to be learned and you can just enjoy some of the more, I don't, I mean, kind of mundane things in life, but that's, that's your life. It's every day. Well, and we touched on success and it's been really interesting, Elizabeth. We've moved my mom next to our house here in Kansas and she's 87. Yeah, We've gone through all of her things and it's really cool to watch what she wants to see in her last years of life. What are the pictures she's interested? What are the things she wants on the wall? And I'll tell you, it's a cliche, but it's all about family. Yeah. It's just about family. And I think that's what I keep the combination of the post that you read. If you didn't hear that episode, go back and listen to it. The post that you found that you loved that was speaking to you about success and what do we have to be and how should we be to ourselves? And then sort of helping my mom build her new and last nest. It's very interesting. And it's a wonderful thing for me, although I'm very, very tired. It's a wonderful (laughs) thing for me to note in what is probably I'm approaching my last third of my life. Mm -hmm. And so there's just a lot of thinking that needs to happen that I think Tuesday's podcast helped us with. And so we decided today on The Nest to talk about the books that changed our lives at certain points in our lives. And I'm so curious to hear yours. Do you want to go first? Sure, I will. Okay. So mine have to do with food, not surprisingly. (laughs) Um, That being said, they also impacted so much about how I looked at the world, how I looked at what I consume when it comes to food and all sorts of other things. Oh, I love that. And, um, and how I feed myself and I feed my family. And you know, that's what I relate everything to, right? I mean, what are we eating? What are we cooking? What are we growing? So when I was 22, 21, 22, I became a vegetarian and I didn't eat meat for about four years. And a lot of this was because I read a book called Diet for a New America by John Robbins. This was a bestseller. It came out in 1987. And John Robbins is the heir to the Baskin Robbins ice cream fortune. Oh, interesting. But he became a vegan and totally eschewed the entire business that his family ran and went his own way. Now, 
He's pretty intense in terms of his views on veganism and vegetarianism, but I will tell you what I really took away from it. And we've talked about this on the podcast a lot before about intentional, being intentional about buying food, particularly meat, knowing your farmer, knowing how things were raised, how important that is on such a, so many levels. And Diet for a New America was my first introduction to factory farming and what factory farming is and what it means and what a CAFO is, which is a concentrated animal factory farming operation, Mm. and how it is so devastating both to our health, the health of the animals that are raised in those kinds of operations, and then the environmental impact around them. So... It's it's not an easy read because it's um it's very blunt and to the point and and shows you some tough stuff but it is so worth reading. And I love that it's by the heir to the Baskin Robbins business slash fortune because yeah. one of the things in the post that you read on Tuesday the one of the open I think the opening line was what if you didn't have to build an empire right and then it goes on to talk about following your joy and knowing what speaks to you and how interesting is that that a guy who was set to inherit an empire almost turned his back on it or did turn I his back did on it did turn his back on it yeah. yeah it's really fascinating it's a really great book and it was a bestseller then and i think it still has meaning now and and for me you know when i think about like when you said, let's talk about the books that changed our life, that was number one on the list. Because, and, and really for me, not eating meat was about not being able to find and not being able to afford meat that was raised the way that I right. knew it needed to be raised. And so that was the point for me of why I decided that then I just wasn't going to consume it. And then as I moved and then started to make a little bit more money and all of those things, I was able to incorporate meat back into my life and then have it be something that I'm intentional about where we buy it from, particularly in our home. I'm not like obsessive everywhere I go, but at our house, that's what we bring into our house. Um, And then the second book has to do with food as well. And this one is called The Omnivore's Dilemma. This is by Michael Pollan. Michael Pollan is a very, very famous food writer. And this was a huge book as well. It's called The Omnivore's Dilemma, A Natural History of Four Meals. And he writes about what we should have for dinner. (laughs) And it seems like such a simple question and also a question that brings with it a lot of strife (laughs) within families. Like if you've ever been asked at four o'clock, mom, what's for dinner? You know that you want to like pull your hair out. Um, (laughs) But also then he talks about the food chains that sustain us. So industrial food, organic food, food that we find ourselves, all of the sourcing to the final meal, and then how that process contributes to the way that Americans eat. And it is so interesting. And this was another one that was totally eye-opening to me in terms of processed food and why we eat the way that we eat. And it is such a fantastic read. And if you're at all interested in food, you've got to read The Omnivore's Dilemma. I actually just downloaded on on Audible. He has a new book out, Michael Pollan does. And so that'll be on my list here to to listen to soon. But The Omnivore's Dilemma is, in my opinion, a must read. And it was a real life changer for me as well. And I think this is such an important topic. We've touched on it in other episodes about what Mothers and fathers feed their young children and how there's so much research on sugar and additives and all of those things linking it to behavioral issues. Yeah. 
And I just think that any of those books, if you're curious about it, once you start to read about it and sort of educate yourself, it makes it really easy to change how you feed your kids, I think. Mm -hmm. And I was, that was sort of pre-dawn for me. I just, to be honest, I didn't grow up with a lot of junk food. I didn't grow up with a lot of processed food because I grew up in the 70s and my mom just didn't shop that way. Yeah. And so that wasn't sort of natural for me. And so when I was raising my kids, I just, and I'm lazy because I'm not a cook. So that's really where my smoothie diet for my kids came about, where I wanted to make sure I had covered all of the bases in one drink. And then anything else we did during the day was easy. And so I sort of intuitively kept them away from processed food, but it wasn't out of taking a, like having a higher ground. It was strictly out of laziness. And then, you know, I did make some mistakes along the way with like healthy choice dinners and things like that. But Oh, we've all done it. Yeah. But but I do think I I think if I had children, if I were a new mother right now, these were the books I would be reading because I think it's important. Yeah. And if you're important. interested in food at all and, and kind of our food system, it, to me, it's like sometimes when you think I'm going to learn more about this and it's going to make things so exhausting and overcomplicated, it actually makes things less complicated for it me does. because it just takes a lot of things off the table, <laughs> literally. Like it just takes right. things off the table that you're just going, I, I'm just not consuming that. I'm not buying that not only because of my own health. I mean, it, it, you know, we all know that our own health is not like the greatest motivator for making decisions all the right. time, but right. for sort of the collective good of the system and all of that. And I think if you were at all interested in our conversation, conversation with Dr. Elizabeth Clotis, where she talked about a lot of the stuff in the grocery store is just not food. It, right. it shouldn't even be considered food. These books will be good places for you to start. Okay. I want to know about your life-changing books. Well, the first one I think that I can really think of, because I was trying to think of what were the books that really affected me when I was having trouble between work and kids and marriage and just feeling so overwhelmed by it all. And I think I must have been in my late 30s when Oprah introduced all of us to Eckhart Tolle. Oh, yeah. Yes, yes. Very good. Uh, A New Earth is the one, Awakening to Your Life's Purpose. I didn't feel lost in my 30s, but I felt sidelined because I was trying to spend a lot of time with my kids, which was my choice. But that meant that I was making some... I, I hate to use the word sacrifices because I don't feel that way, but that I had taken myself off of a path of perhaps being a star employee, let's put it that way. <laughs> and so um, A New Earth really helped me to understand the choices that I was already making, but how to feel better about them. And so I really loved that book. I I I, I know I was in my 30s or early 40s when that one hit me. Um, I loved that one too, Marjorie. And you know what? I think about that book often when I'm in the shower, which is going to sound weird, mm-hmm. um, because he has this whole thing in that book that's like the, my biggest takeaway. And I mean, I honestly, I probably read that book, I don't know, 10 years ago, right. at least, right. maybe maybe it's a, longer it's, than that. It came out a long time ago. Yeah, I probably maybe read it 20 years ago. And and he would talk about, it. you've taken a shower, but have you ever really taken a shower? Mm-hmm. Which mm-hmm. was, when you're in the shower, do you feel the sensation of the water coming down onto you? Do you, like, are, are you actually present in the shower to just, like, acknowledge everything that's happening in those moments? And then I realized how much of my life I was spending thinking about the next thing right. and not at all experiencing the thing that I was in in that moment. I mean, it really was – it was like a, a pivotal book when it comes to living in the moment and trying to be present in the moment. Right. It, that was a – that was a 
a just a perspective that we hadn't heard in so long. I mean, the only, I don't know, like since Jesus. <laughs> yeah, it was like, it was Jesus, then Eckhart Tolle, and there's a long gap think, in between where no one was talking about it. I think there might have been a few in between, but we don't know of them. So in our mind, it's Jesus, Eckhart Tolle. Yeah, we don't come to us for like accuracy. But, but it was, it was, it was a wonderful book for me. And I'm not sure if it was, cause I haven't reread it since then. And I think I'm going to try and find it. And if not, I might just buy it on Amazon again. Cause it's like three bucks, but it was either in this or in Oprah's life class, which was mirroring some of Eckhart Tolle's teachings where they do a lot of work on ego and why you do things. And when you do things because of your own ego, how usually that that doesn't bring you the joy or the happiness that you're seeking. For sure. And so that was that was a really good one for me. And then Sarah, I think it's Sarah Bronick, who did the first, you know, the, the gratitude journal. Mm. And that, in the 90s, Elizabeth, was kind of a big deal. Yeah. Of women was. taking a moment and understanding what they should be grateful for. And it was a moment for me. I loved that book. It really was. It was because I was very much in my 20s, late teens, 20s, what's next, what's next, what's next, what's next? And it's sort of you're supposed to sit back and sort of look at what you have and be grateful for that. And I would say to any woman that's finding herself a little bit overwhelmed and in that sort of it's all spiral thinking, what's next, what's next, what's next? Yes. Take a look at that book. They've just reissued it. Again, with new quotes, new everything, they've updated it. And I loved the original, but I'm sure the updated version serves the same purpose. And then one of the other things which I have always done, which has been helpful for me, and I think in some ways life-changing, is I am a big reader of biographies and autobiographies. Yeah. And what that does, and I usually read them about women, it shows you, and I, I always read them in my 20s and 30s and 40s, always. I mean, I have, I could list all of the ones that I've read. But what it does is it it reaffirms that life is messy and it reaffirms that there's nothing that you can't recover from except death, obviously, but yeah. but that women's – our lives are hard and I'm not comparing it to men. Men can read their own autobiographies and biographies. But for women, that life is hard, balance is hard, but it's a long race in that sense and that you just sort of put one foot in front of the other and your life, if you keep, if you keep on a path, and I always, I would say this to my boys and you stay away from drugs and alcohol, you will always recover from whatever you're in. Mm-hmm. Um, drugs and alcohol obviously complicate that. Um, right. but some of, some of the biographies that I've loved, absolutely loved. And po- politics aside, I loved Hillary Clinton's living history. If you've never read it, she is such, again, politics aside, she is such a smart woman who never shied away from her voice, and got pretty persecuted because of it. Mm-hmm. And I was a fan of seeing her path and her struggles. Again, politics aside, Boys in the Trees by Carly Simon. Again, this goes back to the post on Tuesday, Elizabeth, of that idea you don't need to build an empire. Her family was part of the Simon & Schuster empire. Wow. And she was different than her sister's. She was gangly. She was considered like the ugly duckling of the family. Oh, man. And she was so talented and just followed her – and not easily, but followed her own creative spirit. It's a wonderful book. That one I would encourage you to listen to on Audible because she sings in between the chapters. Catherine Graham, publisher of the Washington Post in the, what, 
70s, probably after her husband died, she took over as publisher. Her book is called – her autobiography is Personal History. Um, but this is a woman who, as I was thinking about these this morning, I thought of your mom, Elizabeth, who her triumphs were unexpected. Mm-hmm. Nobody expected it of her. And right. I love the story that you told about your mom where these opportunities would come and she'd be like, all right. Okay, let's, let's do that. And it just is such a such a story of grace and acceptance and openness and not trying to control your path, but allowing sort of the divine to happen. Catherine Graham did not expect to be the publisher of the Washington Post. She expected to be the husband or the wife of a very successful husband. And then these are this almost cliche now, but you recommended because everybody's reading them. But you recommended Untamed by Glennon Doyle. I loved I it. I loved it. Yeah, I loved it. And then Eat, Pray, Love, which I wanted to hate just because I'm a reactionary person and everybody else was loving it. So I wanted to be somebody who said, oh, I don't love that book. Elizabeth Gilbert. Elizabeth Gilbert. I ended up loving it because it was a woman who had – I think she called them her monkey thoughts, who was really trying to understand how her mind worked and and sort of the deep – the depth of her unhappiness and her continued unhappiness. And she was trying to solve the chatter that was in her mind and – and and E Pray Love is about that. Don't know if she solved it for her whole life, but she certainly I think let a put a lot of women on a path to try and figure out why they were unhappy. So that's my list. That's a good list, Marjorie Punnett. Yeah. That's very good. Well, good I'm little older book than list you. for you. That's true. You've covered a little <laughs> bit more ground than me. You certainly have. If you're enjoying this podcast, please subscribe wherever you get your podcasts and write us a review at Apple Podcasts. Find us on Facebook and Instagram at Best of the Nest or go to bestofthenest.com to subscribe to our upcoming newsletter. We are the <laughs> podcast that brings you home. To be your best every day, you need proven quality sleep every night. Science proves your best sleep is vital to your mental, emotional, and physical health. And that's where the Sleep Number Bed comes in. And let me tell you, ever since I've had it, my Sleep IQ score is just going higher and higher. And did you know 8 out of 10 couples say that one of them sleeps too hot or too cold? Science tells us regulating your sleep temperature leads to higher quality sleep. For many couples, temperature struggles are a real challenge. So here are some tips to help you both sleep just right. Look for beds designed with temperature benefits such as the new Sleep Number Climate 360 Smart Bed that actively warms and cools each side so you both sleep blissfully comfortable. And now save 40% on the Sleep Number 360 Special Edition Smart Bed. Plus special financing for a limited time. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com slash podcast one. Sleep Number, the official sleep and wellness partner of the National Football League. Subject to credit approval, minimum monthly payments required. See sleepnumber.com for details. Grab a 30-day free trial of Live by Live Plus and you'll get unlimited skips, commercial-free music, and all of the podcasts and live streaming events you can handle. Visit livexlive.com slash podcast one to learn more and start your free trial.